Welcome back to Serial K, where we are the flawless talking about the lawless. I'm Holly. And I'm Rebecca. And today is all about children serial killers or killers. So, you're going to hit me with some facts? I've got some facts for you. Facts. She's got definitions, all right? She's got <laughs> definitions. Well, unfortunately, I don't this time. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> I think it's pretty self-explanatory what a child serial killer is. But... It is. Right, go ahead. It's rare for a child under the age of 14 to kill someone. Which, yeah. Yeah, okay. But whenever I saw the statistic, I was like, that feels like a lot. Because it's approximately 74 children in America every year kill someone. 74 of them? What a children? Yeah. Like, that's recent figures. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that is actually really, really bad. Isn't it? But it only accounts for 1% of all homicides in America. Yeah, it shows you what goes down in America, like 74, 71%. Yeah. So, I'm not going to math, but you can figure it out. But I'm not going to attempt that math, actually. Come do 74 times 100. So, the vast majority, in total 90% of these people, are boys between the ages of 11 and 14. And 75% of the time, they kill someone older than them. And 60% of the time, guns are their weapon of choice. Older than them, that's interesting. Isn't it? Because I was thinking about this when I was looking at my story for a day and I thought, yeah, it makes sense why they, she wouldn't go for someone, like an adult or something, because she, she would have no sense of attack. They're like, she's so young and you know, not as strong as them. Yeah. So the fact that they're actually saying that they do go for people older. It's weird, isn't it? Pretty bold move. I suppose if you're using a gun. But yeah, it's a gun. That's a gun. You can yeah. take anyone out. range sort of thing. Yeah. So there was a study done of 146 murders by kids under 14 between 2005 and 2012. And they fell into five categories where an older sibling beats a child to death between the ages of zero and two while they're taking care of them. Um, a child kills a relative, usually a parent or a grandparent. A child grabs a gun and kills a peer during a moment of anger. A young teen or a group of teens shoots an adult stranger during a robbery or break-in. Or a group of teens attack a lone victim or a group of victims as part of an ongoing conflict, which is most associated with like, gang rivalries. They're the See, I can understand for them. The second one there about killing a, a grandparent or a parent, I, I'm just not getting that one. It's weird, isn't it? Like, something must trigger. I even went to flinch from my mum. She would have me choked out. <laughs> God. Are you seriously? But think about that. Yeah, no, you just couldn't. Like, they must be, they must have it really like. But then kids wouldn't necessarily think the whole thing through. No. So you would think if the only chance. Of them being able to kill their parent or their grandparent would be if they were, you know, if they were sleeping or something and they'd done something like, oh, that's sneaky. And so it'd have to be sneaky about it. Yeah. It couldn't come along to them. Just stab that's them. very true because it did say that most aren't planned and that they're out of anger, frustration, or interpersonal conflict. So an FBI profiler, Jim Clemente, actually said this like little comparison and I liked it. I was like, oh, that's a good one. Okay. So he says, Genetics loads the gun. Ch- the children's personality and psychology aim the gun and their experiences pull the trigger. 
Yeah, I like that, actually. I like it. It's like lining it up and then boom. Yeah. I quite liked it. I did that. That's a very good quote, actually. Mm-hmm. Someone get that on a poster. Someone put it on the wall. Put it on a t-shirt on that door behind this thing. <laughs> so her motto every day. <laughs> so then there was an article that actually went through early signs of serial killers in children. And I said when. Is that one of them? How'd you know that was number one? Because <laughs> my my wee doll for the day is in bed with. <laughs> yes, bedwetting is number one. I can say that actually. Did you know the other name for bedwetting is anoresis? No, neither did I. Because I read it and I was like, "What the flip is that? Is that is that the verb of being a bed wetter? Anoresis or you not like an anoreser? <laughs> You're like income." A well-renowned bedwin. I'm assuming it's the action. Oh. An eraser. An eraser. Sorry, my child just had an eraser last night, so... Word of the day. We like to bring in the word for today. An So, it's although common in childhood, it becomes a concern if the bedwetting continued twice a week for at least three consecutive months. Mm. That's when you're like, mm, that's a bit sus. So... Arson, setting things on fire, which you would immediately assume means there's something a bit yeah. dodgy. It's not normal. It does kind of appear to be quite a violent action. Yeah. It says it's linked to power, excitement and revenge. So if you see your child setting something on fire, like you're going to be like, that isn't a birthday candles. That's true. All the perfect candles just setting them on fire. They're all serial killers. Um, this one again. These these ones are kind of common sense. Harming small animals. I knew that was gonna be a thing. Because once you kill a dog, yeah, that that one I think is for me is more than the fire thing actually. Yeah, like, like if you're killing, if you're actually killing someone, like set someone on fire, like you could just be messing around and like ooh, just find it fascinating. Then you could turn to a scientist. I don't know. You're gonna say, oh, cool. you could be a great scientist. Setting things on fire. But the the small animal killing is that's nuts. No. That's not normal. Ah, uh, no, I wouldn't do that. No. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't let my kid do that. Like, no. I'd hope not. Because the same FBI profiler actually said that animal torture is not a stage. It's a rehearsal. Mm-hmm. So it's getting it ready. It's the real thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I can kill that it's dog. Okay, the- I can kill that person. It's so... Uh, no, I don't like it. Because they've done nothing wrong. Like, you could see people's anger towards humans and they've done something wrong. And they're annoyed and in a fit of anger they've killed him. But what's the pet doing? The pet? Yeah. Like, it just wants some cuddles yeah. and some treats. Yeah, this one's fair. And then head injuries, because it leads to lack of empathy. Hmm. Antisocial behaviour, witnessing extreme violence and uncon- uncontrollable aggression. Hmm. They are all the early warning signs of a serial killer in childhood. So keep an eye on your kids. I think that social thing's a big thing. Isn't it? Then at the same time, it's just people like me by themselves. So you can't always just side-eye your child because it has no wits. Side-eye. Side-eye. Right, who wants to start this week? Well, does yours fall under any of that? Or Yeah, it does, actually. Want you move on from the bedwetter? Move on from the... Yeah, okay. So we're going straight from your facts to my... Oh, I'm excited. My Mary Bell. Who Bell. Is, in fact, a chronic bedwetter. <laughs> So Mary Bell was born in 1957 on the 26th of May. 
and she lived in Newcastle in a place called Scotswood, which was a kind of a poor area, and there was quite a lot of criminal activity going on. So, when Mary was born, it said that her mother actually just wanted rid of her, like, get her rid of me. So she was born, like, her mother wanted rid of her. So when she was four years old, she her mother was a sex worker, and she was passed to her mother's clients to be sexually abused. Oh, no. At four years old. No. So, as I said, she was a chronic bedwetter, and her mum, Betty, would have rubbed her nose in it and all if she was to do it. And there's been actually many occasions where her mother, Betty, has tried to kill Mary. So she tried to kill her firstly with sleeping pills. And then another time, Mary was brought to hospital and had to have her stomach pumped. Because um, she said that her mum gave her smurries. Oh my God. Another time, Mary fell out of a two-story window. Then Betty tried to choke Mary to death one time. And then... Also, one time they were at an adoption centre or going past it and they seen someone who was coming out and didn't, you know, obviously get the forms or were put through to be able to, you know, adopt the child. So, Betty actually offered Mary up to the person. Just offered her daughter. She says, I was coming here anyway to put her up for adoption. You know, you may as well have the child. So, the woman took the child. But Betty's sister, so that would be Mary's aunt, was behind them or somewhere close by and she's seen this going on so she followed the lady home um but the lady was like already went and bought you know betty or sorry mary clothes because she just thought she was getting a daughter yeah she was already buying her clothes and getting her sorted to fit in and all like she was being kind the woman was but then you know obviously the sister came and was like you know she's just you know out of her mind she needs you know have to give the child back sort of thing so anyway mary came back but like, you think what life mary could have had yeah if she had actually got that escape. A much better one, by the sounds of it. There's just this constant cycle of Betty trying to get rid of Mary. And um, there's, like, times where she would have just, like, family members and stuff, like, Betty would have always have just left Mary there, like, just brought her to them and said, I can't be with her anymore, just live after her. Uh. But she would always have came back and got her, like, although she didn't like her, it was clear that she didn't like her, but she always came back and got her somehow. But anyway, when Mary was four years old, um, she really, that sort of idea of not being antisocial, she didn't have very many friends. But she did have one friend. And the one friend she had was hit by a bus and killed in front of her. No. Her only friend was killed right in front of her. The trauma. Mm-hmm. So then when she went to school and stuff, she had, quote, like, violent tendencies. Mm-hmm. So that kind of goes back to your saying there about aggression and stuff. She did have that all built up. Um, but then, you know, she did meet another friend, which was her next door neighbour, whose name was Norma Bell. Now, Norma Bell was not a relation to Mary, to just like, purely convenience that they were the same name. So we will get into the nitty of what Norma and Mary gets up to now. Oh, no. So on the 11th of May, 1968, at which point Mary would have been 11 years old, or Mary, sorry, Mary was 10. Okay. And coming 11. And, um, yeah, because she was born on the 26th. So she was just coming 11 at this point. And Norma was a year older than her. She was 12. So at this time, uh, there was a three-year-old boy uh, named John who was pushed and he uh, pushed off a ledge 
and he ran into you know a group of people or is that some sort of like place in the community and he was bleeding from his head and he he did recover from it but later on mary did admit to doing this so this was like the first sort of thing he must have ran to like a shop or like so i some sort of nearby place and got people's attention and he recovered from it but then the next day on the 12th of may 1968 three girls were playing in a park nearby when mary strangled all three of the girls and the first girl she when she was strangling her she put sand down her throat stop it Mm -hmm. um so the girls were like age six seven and eight i think no so they're very young girls and it's actually one of them i think i seen a video or something of her being on like a chat show or not a chat show but like on an interview or something being interviewed about her experience because she survived and I think she was the first girl who had the sand put down her throat. Um, that's horrible. So one of the girls' mum did report it to the police, but like nothing happened. There was nothing, no conclusion. They're probably about. just like all oh, kids are being kids. They probably just seen it as like yeah, just messing around or a joke or something. A prank went wrong. Yeah. So then on the twenty fifth of May, so this was the day before Mary's eleventh birthday. Four year old Martin Brown uh, went to the shop. And around three fifteen, he left the shop. Um. Oh, sorry, three thirty. He le- no. Yeah, that's right. So, um, on the twenty fifth of May, the day before Mary's eleventh birthday, uh, four year old Martin Brown left the shop at three fifteen. Now, this is when the last sighting of Martin there was. No one has seen him again, and he was found on his back with blood and saliva coming from his head. So he was completely dead. Um, they said the police looked into it and we sat fine with these boys and they said he died around about half three. So about 15 minutes after he left the shop, he was killed. Um, but the police said there was no cause of death and they said it was just an accident. An accident? Oh. This wee boy was fine. It was just an accident. So um, he was just fine dead. And then on Mary's 11th, bir- 11th birthday... On the 26th of May, she tried to strangle Norma's sister. And her, Norma's dad actually came into the room as it was happening. Got Mary off Norma's sister. And then, that was it. Just didn't think anything off her. He did nothing. He did nothing. He, he saw this little girl yeah. trying to strangle his other daughter. And did nothing. No. He just thought it was just playful fighting going wrong. Fine. Doing better. I know. Exactly. Do better. So then the next day, on the 27th, there was a nursery in town which was broken into and vandalised. And in it, police went, what's vandalised? Nothing was stolen out of it. It was just trashed. Uh, police found four notes. Now, they said things like, we did murder Martin Brown. F off you. Beep. Yep. Uh, I murder so I may come back and stuff like that. So basically, they, not all of them. There was a cup, two more, obviously, but they were not very like well written because obviously it's been written by a child. Yeah. So after this happened and the vandalising, this was obviously we Martin Brown, who was four years old and was killed how many days previous? Two days previous. Two days. Mary would go to Martin's mum's house, or Martin's house, and she would ask to see Martin. 
And uh, Mary's mum would be like, no, sweetie, you can't see Martin because Martin's dead. And she would smile and say, I know he's dead, but I wanted to see him in his coffin. Are you... To his mum. And she just she just put her out, closed the door. That's insane. Why is nobody's alarm bells ringing about this little girl? He's just going around and she was apparently smiling, happy about this, asking where I was. And so she said, he's dead, she'd be like... Because she was happy she'd done it. Yeah. She just was happy to hear someone say he's dead, obviously. Oh. So then the 31st of July... Um, three-year-old Brian, so, went missing. And Brian, there was a big search for Brian. Everyone in the town was out looking for Brian, you know, where he was and all. Including Mary and Norma themselves, who were apparently leading the search, or, you know, at the front, being seen to be as part of the search, skipping and smiling as they were doing so. I feel like these wee girls are like, poster horror movie children mm-hmm. yeah that's what I'm picturing in my head I like the picky tails and the wee, yep, the wee, wee smile. dresses that is what I'm picturing that's definitely them so at 11 10 past 11 there was a body found in the wasteland and it was identified to be Brian um, and he had bruising and scratching like round his neck um, but the police ruled that the cuts were curious playfulness that's what they said it at. So he had compression marks in his nose. He had three scratches on his left and right side of his neck. His genitals were cut and he had six puncture wounds on his thighs, which were said to be superficial wounds. And the letter, get this, the letter M was carved into his stomach. Obviously representative of Martin. And they said this was just... They, they said that, yes, they launched an investigation, they did. Okay. But they did say that the cuts and stuff or just curious playfulness. Oh yeah, that all sounds like curious playfulness, mm-hmm. doesn't it? So he partly was to said he was died around right half three to half four that day. Um. So when they were doing the investigation, uh, Mary and Norman were like smiling the entire time, and so <laughs> that. She can't read her own handwriting, guys. Oh, I can't even read my own handwriting. Um, so yeah, they they were all, the police were investigating this, and they were going around questioning all everyone in the neighbourhood, um, particularly children, because they could tell by the way it was done, it was sort of if it wouldn't have been an adult, there'd been more force with it, sort of idea. So it must have been a child. So they actually interviewed Mary and Norma quite a few times because of the way they were getting on. Yeah, they were smiling the entire time. And Mary said that, oh, well, I seen a boy hit Brian earlier in the day and he had these scissors. And she talked about the scissors and she said that the boy tried to use the scissors as well to cut a cat's tail off. Now, these scissors were never revealed. Sadly. So the only person that would know that these scissors existed when they were found was because the people who found them the killer themselves in the place. So she dropped herself in it. She dropped herself in it. So, um, well, the police still checked out the boy that uh, Mary was going on about, and he was actually at the airport with his family, about to go on holiday. 
<laughs> so it clearly wasn't him. Like she was just making up a story. And their statements kept changing and changing. And uh, Norma told police that Mary took her um, to see Brian's body. So Norma came in at this point. She's telling him that, yeah, Mary took me to see his body. And she told me that she had killed him. And that Mary said that she enjoyed it. Oh. So she's took, this is Norma's, Norma's ditched. Noah's like, you know what, point the finger straight at Mary, I'm not getting involved with anymore. So on the 5th of August, um, Mary's brought into the station at quarter past 12. And Mary actually just threatened to kill Noma there then on the spot. She just, oh she just said, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to kill Noma now. She just said that she was going to kill her because she's obviously was aware that Norma's very was fuming. So Mary... um. It's let go because there's not wasn't sufficient evidence. Obviously, they've only this is really like they just they were nearly ninety percent sure it was Mary. But they obviously just had to you know they couldn't keep her. So on the seventh of August, then it was Brian's funeral. So, uh, at the funeral was obviously Mary and Norma because they're at all these events, and the detective on the case at that point said he knew. It was Mary who done it because she was laughing throughout the funeral and rubbing her hands. Like she was like proud of herself. And she was like, mm-hmm. look at what I created. Mm-hmm. Look at that little cop and go in there. That was me. I thought she's getting old. Like, psychopath. That's literally that psychopath. <laughs> sitting there. Definitely has piggy tails and piggy tails. Oh, 100%. In a nice little cute dress. She'd be loving life. No way that coffin. Mm, she blows my mind. This child's doing this. So he arrested Mary and Oma. And she and Mary obviously blamed it all on Oma. And but she did admit on the spot there to uh, breaking into the nursery. But she never wrote any of the notes. You know, that wasn't that wasn't her. <laughs> she just helped her style. She just like broke through the window, that was about it. Um But later on they were both charged with Brian's murder. And actually, through the notes, he went to visit their school and they, like, matched the writing. Oh, that's smart. So they knew it was their writing. But also, because Mary's just, Mary's just, you know, reveling in this. She wrote a story the day after uh, Brian's, uh, Martin's death, sorry. She wrote a, a creative writing story, so she did, um, about the death of this boy. And at the bottom... She drew a picture of which was said to be Martin's dead body and a, like a pill bottle next to the body, which is another bit of evidence that would never have been disclosed. She done this in school. Like She's like, he just like creative writing. She's like, mm. And her teacher teacher did not look at this and think, mm, we yeah. need to make sure this child is okay. There's been a death in the community recently with a wee boy. Quite early yesterday. Like, not like a few weeks ago, yesterday, and this wee girl's writing a story about a dead boy. Go look into that little child immediately. She's like, she's definitely getting on. Like she is, she she is. She probably has that music in her head constantly. Yeah, hundred percent. So, uh, then on both victims, so Brian and Martin's, uh, Mary's, uh. Grey dress fibres were found in them. 
And Nomas was found on Brian's as well. That's so, a grey dress. Yeah. Didn't expect her to be a grey. You're right, not actually. I expected a little pink number, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. More just black. Pink, doom and gloom. But both girls were charged with both murders. They were. So then the trial came on the 5th of December, 1968. And there was some doubt around Noma. Not people weren't sure because she was actually showing emotion, showing remorse. Whereas Mary was partly just emotionally blank. She was very witty, always had something to say. Whereas Norma was very simple-minded and just sort of, like, was very aware of what was going on and they could feel the seriousness of it, clearly. Mary's having a feel that she's in a day out, like, so... He does not care. So characters actually said Mary, Mary displayed psychopathic tendencies. Mm-hmm. Um, but Norma was acquitted because they basically just ruled that she didn't actually know what she was doing. She was kind of just clueless. She was just a tag-along almost, whether you believe that or not. Yes, yeah, so Mary was convicted of manslaughter on diminished responsibility because she was said to be uh, very dangerous. I don't know if that needed to be said. Like, you know, she's just standing in court like, hee-hee. She was probably loving all the attention. Yeah, she's probably like, she's one of those kids that, like, definitely made you watch her do everything when she was younger. Oh, yeah. She'd be like, look at me. So look at me, mum. She's like... So she was sent to Red Bank Special Unit, which was said at the time to be primarily for boys, but it was sort of raging for Mary's purposes. Like, she literally had this redone for her. So, um, yeah, so she was sent to Red Bank Special Unit. And during this time, her mum comes, you know, her mum's suddenly back on the scene. And she's just selling Mary's story. To tabloid media, left, right, and center, to the point. Actually, do you want to guess how much she got paid? A oh, big box. Fifty k. Shut up. Fifty k in nineteen sixty eight. Fifty k. Yeah. For her daughter's story. Yeah. So, yeah, Mary's now. She's now literally a child star. <laughs> she's a celebrity. This kid has no remorse, and she's been handed fifty k. Glamorize that makes someone who had a lot of remorse have no remorse. Never mind someone didn't have it in to begin with. Yeah. So Mary's then writing letters for Ma. Like, that's all your fault. This I blame you. Like all these letters just hearing them. Give me some of that fifty K. You are to blame for all of this. Are you going to admit responsibility? Because <laughs> I am not guilty. <laughs> so in nineteen seventy, Mary was report reported that she was sexually assaulted by a house master in the unit um but it was said that she was quite unreliable and it was dismissed but then they did say that there was staff conveniently just changed round where this was put out but anyway she wasn't actually taken through or anything and then when she was 16 years old she was moved to moor moor court open prison do you want to know what the catch is with this i, I know it's in the title open prison <laughs> She could just leave for work. She could just quite literally leave. But what is stopping her from leaving and just finding another little child? That's what happened in 1977. Sorry. No, she didn't find anyone. She just went for... No, you're not ready for this. She went to lose her virginity. In 1977, Mary was in a day out. She was. She was. No. She was. She literally left. To go and have sex. 
And she was fine. Summer plan was to leave, go have sex, and then just come back. Yeah. Apparently so. But she was fine and she was brought back. And then for 28 days, she wasn't allowed any of her privileges, which include leaving the compound. Well. But then, you know, three years later, she just got released from prison. What the? And what actually is another kicker? She got released from prison. So she's had a ball this entire time. She's, she's not had to do anything. She's done better than most people who've actually had to go out there and work. She's earned 50k from one story, never mind all the other stories. She has been in an open prison. She's allowed to go out, <laughs> have a sex life. She's came back for a few years. She lost some privileges for 28 days. Then she got herself back on track. And then three years later, she's released and granted anonymity. Stop. So no one could actually... She got to be able to change her name and no one actually had... No one could name her. So no one has any idea where she is. No, she was just granted anonymity. And then when she was six... Uh, on the 16th anniversary of... This is funny because she said this last year. On the 16th anniversary of Martin's murder, Mary had a daughter in 1984. 16 years later, Mary gave birth to a movie girl who was also granted... Anonymity. Oh. Which I kind of agree with. Yeah, because, because that child does not deserve to... That's not her fault. She's get to pick her mom. Yeah. So, and then when their daughter was like 14, their house was found. Um, but the court then granted, you know, obviously why it would be then. Immediately. Yeah, she would then be, once, you know, they found her and then they could just, when they're 16, but then they were granted lifetime. Yeah. Isn't it 16? 16, yeah. So she would have been coming up to 16. She was two years off. And then they just said, actually, for the rest of your life, you have a lifetime of it. So no one... So no one no one could name her or find out. Or they could could you it. imagine meeting someone and then, like, at some point being like, mm, you're just reminding me of this little story. Yeah, eh? you're the daughter of that psychopath. You look a lot like her. And even when she became, in 2000, 2001... When Mary became a granny, she was then the granddaughter, or sorry, the grandchild, was granted lifetime anonymity as well. So do you reckon that's just going to keep going and going? Must be. Because it's it's not a story that sounds like it's going to die out. Well, surely time. I know she had a horrible upbringing. Like, that girl had trauma. Yeah. But <laughs> she was... She knew what she was doing. Oh, yeah, and she was, like, I actually do feel like maybe Norma was, you know, if Norma was involved or was there when these things were happening, maybe Norma was scared to speak out in case what would happen to her. Exactly. Because I actually thought at some point Mary was going to kill Norma, but... I mean, she did right and do it. Yeah, she said she was going to, like, but, yeah, that's what she... That's mad. That is crazy. That is the story of Norma Bell. Mine has some weird elements to it. You know, I'm not going to lie. Because, right. It's the Richardson's family murders. Right, okay. Right? Obviously. Jasmine Richardson was a 12-year-old girl. So her whole life, she was bubbly. She was friendly. Everyone got on with her. She wasn't, like, popular, popular, but everyone liked her. You know? She was, like, that girl around school. And... Then she had a little brother. She got on really well with her little brother. So when she turned 12, her brother would have been eight. And she started, like, changing her personality. She started, like, hanging out with these goths. Okay. And it was, like, 
it changed her mood. She would be that girl in the corner that would just sit and like stare at everyone. She would start wearing like the black makeup, the black clothes and just not speak to anyone. And everyone was like shocked because she was so bubbly. Like she was a bubbly person. And then to go to nothing. And she started hanging out with these goths and they would then start taking her somewhere, some places. And they were all significantly older. So they were all in their 20s and she was 12 years old. 12 years old. And they were all in her their 20s. And they would start bringing her to like underground bars and like gigs and concerts of like goth music, you know? And she would enjoy it. She was like, oh, this is this is fun. Like, I like doing this. And it was at one of these underground gigs that she met Jeremy Stank. Stank. I can never pronounce his surname. Jeremy Stank. Who was... A 300-year-old vampire. Oh. Sorry, go with that one again. I think you just said 300-year-old vampire. I didn't need. it. And he's, what, how old is he? No, he said he's 300. Sorry, he said he's 300. He's actually 23. And she just met him at this gig. And she is 12. So immediate pedophilia wrong oh completely messed up yeah so he was like even he's 300 years old he was telling everyone this she was all for it because they both had an account on a website called vampirefreaks.com okay and her username was runaway with the devil and his boy dragula one two three four five so he everyone like, was suspicious of him anyway as a person because he went around saying he was a 300-year-old vampire. Even, like, the golf friends yeah, yeah. were like, hmm, a bit, a bit weird. But he met her at this underground bar and she she didn't tell him she was 12, but she doesn't look, like, an adult. You know what I mean? She looks young. She is 12 yeah. years old. She's not going to look much older. Mm-hmm. So they got flirting. He bought her drinks. They were just having some fun. And he was then like, I want to hang out with you more. So they entered a relationship, like a proper emotional, sexual relationship. She is 12 years old. I know. And he, his vibe was like, he would always wear dark clothes. He was completely... Did he drink blood? So. Oh, here we go. He had a necklace Mm -hmm. that he never took off, ever. And in this necklace was a vial of human blood. And he always called it his emergency blood because he loves the taste of human blood. And he would go about it. No one ever found out whose blood it was in the vial, but he was known for dating younger girls. So everyone was kind of like, maybe it's one of the, the girls. Maybe he was like, can I can I have your blood? Is he just going to dry up and that wee drop and that? That was going to help him. It's his emergency case. So everyone was against their relationship. Her parents, her brother, her friends, everyone was like, he is 23 years old. He is going around saying he's a 300-year-old vampire. You need to stay away from him. Hmm. And she was like, no, I'm in love with him. Like, he is everything to me. I am in love with him. And they were all like, no, 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 that's not happening. So then, but she probably wasn't really thinking. 
no, that he was, you know, she was just thinking, oh, this is his vibe. Like, he, this is his, like, thing he's trying to be, like, a 300-year-old. Like, he's believing this, but, like, she's probably just seen him as a 23-year-old, older guy. Yeah, and she's probably like, oh, I have an older so boyfriend. This is so cool. Yeah, she's probably seen it like that. She's probably just thinking, like, that's his persona he's trying to take on, like, an old vampire. Yeah. She's probably like, yeah. Why not? We love that. So, um, on her account, on this vampirefreaks.com, she said she was 15. But she's 12. So she's a, she lies about her age all the time because she needs to be older to do things. Mm-hmm. But um, her bio was actually, welcome to my end. Just welcome to my end. Bar emoji. Uh, did you know my boyfriend's a vampire? So she got grounded quite a lot at this point because they were like, it's the only way we're going to stop you from seeing him is if we ground you and you are not allowed out of the house. Yeah, fair enough. So they then started communicating through Nexopia, which is a Canadian messaging site. So they were doing this. They were still in communication. They were not stopping to speak. They were together. They never do. No, they never do. And she was grounded. And then she was fuming. She was like, I want to see my boyfriend. Like, you need to let me see my boyfriend. And they were like, no, because it's wrong. Mm-hmm. You're not seeing your boyfriend. And then April 22nd comes around, 2006, in Canada. Um, Jeremy is watching movies with his friends at this point. And they watched the 1994 film Natural Born Killers, which is about a young couple who go on a violent killing spree. And he turned around and told his friends that he and his girlfriend had plans to do that in the similar manner, only they would include her little brother. Because in the movie, they don't include the kid. But So he was like, we're going to do that. We and spoke about yeah, it. Her little brother. Because she's 10 years younger than him, so just, just go younger again. Like, yeah, just, want. just do it. So he actually said, have you ever watched the movie Natural Born Killers? I think that's the best love story of all time. A movie where they just go and kill people. Yeah, but that's his favourite love story. So she was then telling her friends that she's she thinking, is she not thinking like, that she would want a love nicer than that. I, I don't know. Something. Did she watch it? Yeah, she'd watched it. Oh, they knew. She knew. Well, they, they, they created this plan to do it. So she was fully, she was aware. She's like, we're going to kill my parents. We're going to kill my brother. And then we're going to be together. There was no <sighs> doubt in her mind that this would work. She wanted to be with her 300-year-old vampire. You know, that was her dream. And then... She kept telling her friends that she has to do whatever she can to stay with Jeremy and that she that he was so important to her life. So then, that night, he comes to her house. They then kill the family. All of the family? All of the family. The mum, the dad and the old brother, they stabbed them multiple times to death. This little 12-year-old girl who used to be so bubbly and happy and friendly takes out her entire family just so she can be with this man 
The vampire. The That's vampire. so messed up. So messed up. So then at 1pm on the 23rd of April 2006, the bodies of Mark Richardson, who was 42, his wife Deborah Richardson, who was 48, and their eight-year-old son Tyler were found in the house, completely stabbed to death. You'd have to be in a completely different... I'm sorry, you had to be in a completely... What would you be... Yeah. There's just no... Where's the remorse? I don't know, not even remorse, like emotion. Like, how did you go through with that? Like... Just accept that your parents are against your relationship. Yeah. You don't have to go and murder them. And the police at this point were obviously like, they had a daughter. Where is this daughter? Like, is she okay? They thought she was a victim or that she'd been kidnapped. They mm. thought like, oh my goodness, this daughter, we need to find her and yeah. make sure she's okay. And it was then the next day that someone at a community centre kind of saw her with this older man that she'd been around with and everyone kind of knew that was dodgy. But so the police then appeared and we're like mm, do you know what just happened in your house and she was like mm, no no I don't but they could tell that she was lying and they yeah. could tell that she was no longer like assumed to be hurt it was she was the murderer yeah so no emotion there at all they got arrested and the second they got arrested he turned around to her and Jeremy turned around to her and was like marry me we can still be together forever. Marry me. And she was like, yeah. Yeah. In that moment, I'll marry you. Like, they just killed her entire family. I don't understand. And she was like, I'll get married. No problem. These people are physically related to you. Like, when they're not, when they're strangers, you're like, that's bad. That's messed up. But they're strangers. These people are her parents. That's her brother. Like, yeah. Like, her eight-year-old brother who she was actually close to. No, that's the... No, I can't. So then their friend, Casey, was also arrested as an accessory because she actually picked them up and drove them away and helped get rid of the burner weapons. So she knew everything too, this other goth friend. What did she do that to herself? Did she not understand if the thing was to go tits up that she would be looked at as... like? Yeah, she just agreed. People need to do better. So much better. It, it seems to be the moral of every story that we're... Looking at just do better. So under the Youth Criminal Justice Act, um, Jasmine could not be named because in Canada, after she became a suspect, and under the same Act, twelve is the youngest possible age at which a person can actually be charged with a crime. So she was like the youngest, like she was the youngest Canadian serial killer to name to ever happen. She was the youngest. Mm-hmm. Um, so she then turned 13 and her trial happened and she was found guilty of three counts of first degree murder. Um, and then in November 2007, she was sentenced to the maximum allowed under the law of for summer and her age, which was 10 years imprisonment. 10 years. For killing her mum, her dad and her brother. She got 10, 10 years. So that also then included the time that she had spent waiting for sentencing, which was 18 months. So she'd already done 18 months yeah. in those 10 years. That's ridiculous. Um, and then she had to go, after those 10 years, she had to go to a four-year psychiatric institution and then be watched for four and a half years in the community. So she was never like allowed to freely just... Go back straight in. Yeah, she was eased into it. Like Mary. Mary was... Mary was out. She was out before she was out. So then she... 
thrived basically when she was in prison she started attending university classes she was living life she's making and taking some coin too she then during the final year she was released from her 10-year sentence at a psychiatric hospital and she went into rehab and it was going really well and she actually started expressing remorse and was like oh i'm sorry for killing my parents and my brother shouldn't have done that that was nice of her yeah she finally was like oh that was wrong mm, that was such it only cool. took her to get to 2011 but she got there no it wasn't wasn't anything to do with the fact she wanted out mm-hmm. no of course not of course not so then in may 2016 her sentence was fully completed she'd done everything she needed to do and she's out in the world that actually makes me sick this little girl, this little 12-year-old girl who killed her entire family is just out there. That makes me sick. She's just vibing. No one knows what she's doing. No one really knows what she's up to, but she's out and she's living life. That's disgusting. Um, As for Jeremy, he admitted to his part because he knew she had already kind of been yeah. found out. So he was like, oh yeah, I was involved. And he also got three life sentences to be served concurrently. So he will be eligible for parole after 25 years, which is in 2033. He will then be allowed out. See, I do understand because she's a child, but if she's capable to do something like that, I think she should still be in prison for as long as he is. Yeah. So do I. I, I, I don't really... It's what is evident that they were so clearly involved. Yeah, because there was messages. They found the messages that they planned the entire murder. Yeah. Like, this was planned. It was yeah. premeditated. It yeah. wasn't one of those spur-of-the-moment accidental murders. It was... It was done. That's, that's so crazy. And the friend Casey, her murder... Like, she was down for murder, but that was dropped. But she was found guilty to an obstruction charge and received one-year house arrest for helping them get away. Here's house arrest for being the drive-away car and disposing of the weapons. So, so really, she only got nine years less. Yeah. For being involved too, although she didn't actually commit the but I just think she should have been there as long as Germany. I feel like she should have been, especially like, she was so willing to do it. Like, it was her family. Family. That says all too. And she changed so much so quick. Do you know what I mean? She went from being like everyone described her as so lovely and like really friendly. And then one day it was just. Vampire road activism. Yeah. She must have got on that website and vampirefreaks.com. I wonder if it's still a thing. Maybe don't look up. Hmm. You don't want to find a Jeremy? No. Don't go find a Jeremy. 300 year old vampire who no. has a vile little Do better. To go for 300-year-old vampires. Yeah, indeed. I don't know how you could stop up mine, just... Keep an eye on your child. Yeah, and if someone's leaving open court or open prison, sorry, to come see you, like... Don't go. We don't get involved with them. No. That's that's probably a good one. Do not get involved with someone. If you see signs of someone at a funeral, just buzzing... Maybe, you know, get something to look into. Yeah, especially if the death is still not solved. 
Mm-hmm. I think that's enough of us chatting for one day, so... Yep, so stay safe. You never know who's watching. Bye. Bye.